I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. All right. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Today we have Mildred Mills. She is a motivational speaker. She is a memorist. Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but she focuses on creating a lot of interesting memoirs. She went to a university that was focused essentially on creative writing. She has a master's degree as well. So she is a part of that graduate sector. And she's also the owner of a podcast called My Cotton Patch Movement. So she's done a lot of things and she's very well versed, I think, in the liberal sector, the art sector. And I'll be very interested to learn more about her expertise and sort of how a memoir is actually built. So let's bring her on. Hello. Wow. You have a very interesting looking bed there. It looks quite wonderful. <laughs> well, my office is in my bedroom. I have to, uh, my husband has the big office. So, hey, I'm stuck in the bedroom, but it's a comfortable place for me. So. Can you tell me a bit about yourself? I can. I am one of 17 children born on a farm in Alabama. In fact, I grew up picking cotton. And um, so as a little girl, I thought very early that there is no way God put me on earth to be a cotton picker. So that's where my podcast name came from. It's uh, actually my cotton patch moment. And uh, so after high school, my father drove me to Columbus, Ohio, where I went to computer school. And that was way back before most people knew anything about computers in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And um, from there, you know, I actually worked a long time in the IT sector. I, In fact, I retired from the IT sector after uh, 30, almost 40 years. And then after that, I decided to go and complete my education. I started college after I finished tech school and had a job at Ohio State. But life took me to Dayton, Ohio, and I decided to go to college at that time. But life happened, and I no longer went to college. So I started work at General Motors, worked there for more than 13 years, and I've always been in the IT sector. And then after after I left work, I decided to own my own business. And I worked for a lady doing all of her financial work. Um, I created my own company, Mill Mill Creations, Inc. And for 10 years, I worked with that lady doing all of her financial work. And then I decided, well, I think I'll go and finish my education. So I completed my bachelor's first and then decided to go on and get a master's in creative writing. I wanted to write my memoir. And I looked at the back of all of those books that I really loved. Like my favorite is Maya Angelou, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. And so I looked in, at the back cover of many of those books memoirs to see, well, what does it take to be a good writer? Or how do these people get published? And I noticed that many of them had degrees in creative writing. And not only did I want to write my book, I wanted to write it well. So 
Last year, I completed my master's in creative writing. And with that master's, I completed my memoir. And that memoir, I now have it. It is in the editing stages. And I hope by the end of this month, I will have a publisher in place. So if you could erase one thing from your memory forever, what would it be? Well, there was something that I erased from my memory for 35 years, but that's something that I will talk about in my memoir. I guess if I had to erase one thing from my memory, it would be, I would say picking cotton, but actually picking cotton uh, made me the woman that I am today because it taught me that hard work really pays off and that you're not stuck in any one place just because you're planted there as a child. So I can't think of anything that I would just completely erase from my life because every part of my life has been a stepping stone to the next place in my life that has built me and made me that woman that I am today. What is your definition of memory? My definition of memory is those things that live in the past, but still come back to the forefront when you need them to build, to help build and create that life that you're, that's in front of you. Do you have a special formula for challenging tough situations? Absolutely. I just confront them. It, regardless of what situation I'm confronted with, I confront it with all the power that I have to just move through it, move forward. I've met I mean, at this age and stage in my life, I have been confronted with many challenges, but I have never found a challenge that is going to defeat me. I just refuse to be defeated. So my thing that I do is just say in my mind that I am bigger than this thing, whatever that thing is, and I just keep it moving. Was there something that you never dared to do? Was there something that I never dared to do? Not well, yes, actually, lie and steal those are the two I'd never dared to go go to prison. <laughs> I wanted to never do those things that would cause me to go to prison because my mother always said to us as children, "Don't let me have to go to Julia Tutwiler prison and visit any of you. That was the women's prison in Wetumpka, Alabama, where I grew up. So uh, we'd be riding in the car and we were little girls and she'd be sitting in the front seat. Certainly my father had to be driving because my mother didn't drive, but we'd be, and, and every time we'd pass by that prison, she said, that's Julia Tutwiler prison where the ladies go. And they didn't go there for going to Sunday school neither. She said, don't let me ever have to come to Julia Tutwiler and visit none of y'all. And I just thought, so, yeah, I definitely never, ever wanted to go to prison and disappoint my mother. In fact, I didn't want to go to prison because that just didn't seem like a very good place to be. What was, if you could make a memoir based around your mother, what would it be about? It would be about this soft-spoken woman who was the most loving person that I ever knew. She had a very hard life as a wife and mother. She had 17 babies. And I don't know, in fact, I know that she was not always appreciated the way she should have been appreciated. But the thing that I would say about her is she did her time as a mother and as a wife 
And then once her children got grown, she told me once, um, let me back up. I asked her once, did you ever want to have 17 children? She said, I used to pray and ask God, why can't my sisters have some of these babies? So I know that she didn't want to have all those children, but she loved every one of us. And I knew that she loved every one of us because regardless of um, what status we were in life as we became adults, she always said, if one of you gives me a dime and the other one gives me a hundred dollars, I will always cherish every dime that anybody gives me because you don't owe me anything. So the the story that I would write about my mother is just about her devotion and her love and the way she touched others' lives. In fact, uh, at her funeral in um, 2008, there were so many people in that church that the policemen had to turn people back. Nobody could, no more people could come into the churchyard. And my sister was a police person in um, Tuskegee, Alabama, and a bunch of her friends came to escort the family down to the church. And those people stood at the, they had to turn people away. And there were so many flowers in that church that it looked like somebody had let loose their flower garden or something or other. And I remember being a little girl and my mom said, when I die, if there are no flowers at my funeral, if your little children go out and pick some flowers and bring them to my funeral. <laughs> so she just loved flowers and she planted flowers. And she was just this loving person that um, before she died and in my adult life, she became my best friend, a very, very dear friend. As a child, she didn't play that. You're not my equal and a child has his or her place. So we weren't I was very close to her, but she wouldn't allow you to get into that space. In fact, one of the things that she would say is, if you play with a puppy, he'll lick your mouth. And I thought, wow. Well, of course, now you see all these puppies licking people's mouths or whatever. But uh, our dog was always outdoors and a dog had its place also. And it was not up in your face. How much from a year ago have you changed? I've changed an awful lot. A year ago, let's see, this is this is August. September 11th last year, I actually marched. I graduated. I walked across the stage and received my master's. And a year ago, I did not have a podcast. I was thinking about a podcast. And the reason I thought about that podcast is because, you know, once my my uh, manuscript was done, I thought, okay, now I'm just going to go out and somebody's going to pick up my book and we're just going to go publish it. And I was sitting in this this classroom at residency before I graduated. And this woman said, well, now you've got to have a platform for your book. Somebody, I mean, people are going to have to know that you exist before they can buy this book. And I thought, oh my God. So, um, she asked a question so in this class. Each of you write in the chat what you're going to do to pump to uh, to how are you going to get your plat? How are you going to get people to find you? And I thought, geez. And I decided, well, I'm going to do a podcast. And I looked around the classroom and there are all these people. There was a woman that was 90 years old. There were young people who were in their 20s who had just graduated. And then I thought, I wonder if anybody in this room has ever picked cotton. And of course, this was in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And I thought, well, I doubt it. 
So when my turn came, I said, I'm going to start a podcast. And I, at that time, I said, it was going to be, have you ever picked cotton? And the premise was going to be, your cotton patch could be that pizza parlor that your parents made you work in during the summer. Something that forced you to think, oh, I've got to get myself some, I've got to get an education. I've got to do something different. I can't stay stuck in this place where I'm stuck. So uh, yes, I've changed a lot in a year. And I've also decided that, you know, I, my husband has called me generous to a fault and I am quite generous, I think, but I've decided that I'm going to take some of my time back for myself. And I'm going to say no a little bit more often, say it very kindly, but say no uh, more often. So yes, I have changed a lot over the last year. And every day when I get up, by the way, I expect to change even more because I see just so many possibilities for interacting with the world and letting the world know that I exist and that there are things that I have to say that I think can be very helpful to many people. Do you feel appreciated? I do. I feel greatly appreciated by, uh, there have been times when I didn't feel appreciated, especially by some people that are very close to me who I will not name, but I do feel appreciated. I feel appreciated by strangers. I feel appreciated by those who are close to me. I especially feel appreciated by my husband who uh, just supports me in everything that I do. I appreciate, I feel appreciated by my children. And uh, yes, I do feel appreciated. I play tennis and I feel appreciated by that tennis team because those ladies are my biggest supporters of my uh, podcast. I've got lots and lots of supporters who just give me a call, uh, but those ladies were the first people who said, oh my God, I want to be part of that podcast. And and after every one, they are some of the first people to reach out and say, oh my God, I just absolutely love your voice. I love your message. And I am hooked on your podcast. And I have many, many people who say those things. So yes, I do feel appreciated. Is there anything in particular that you felt needed to be added to your life? If anything were added to my life, I think right now I have a very full life. But if I added anything, I think it would be just a little bit more time for myself. Time to enjoy those things that I have accomplished, that I've been blessed with. And I came from very humble beginnings. And I never ever thought that, well, I can't accomplish this, or I can't accomplish that. I never looked at obstacles or roadblocks or any of those kind of things. I knew nothing but to just get up and move forward. So sometimes I know that I should stop and just appreciate all that I have accomplished and all that I've been blessed with. So why did you get a master's degree? I got a master's degree because I thought, why not? I just thought, okay, I've finished that bachelor's. Uh, COVID was in full effect. And I thought, what else am I doing except sitting here? I couldn't play tennis anymore. We were sitting in a high-rise condominium. Well, I had my husband. We couldn't go to the pool. You couldn't do much of anything else. And I really wanted to know more about the writing process. And in getting that master's degree, I met one of the most amazing women that I've ever known. Her name is Beverly D'Onofrio. She was my mentor 
in that program. And I ended up working one-on-one with her. She taught me how to shape a story. And she said to me, you've got so much raw talent. And I greatly appreciated that. And I've been an avid reader all of my life. I, I was reading before I could even read the words on the page. I used to hide between my bed and the wall with a flashlight as a little girl looking at words on the page to a book called Jack and the Beanstalk or Aladdin's Magic Lamp, those kind of things. But uh, I got that master's so that I could learn the craft of writing. You know, I wanted to write well. And uh, so why are you smiling? My my parents fell in love um, through Aladdin. So (laughs) it's just an interesting memory, but keep going, keep going. Oh, Uh, but anyway, I I wrote the memoir so that I could, um, oh, or I... um, got the master so that I could learn to write well. And just, um, uh, I could tell a story, but when I was writing earlier, I had let a pe- couple people read it and they said, well, you know, this is very good. This is a compelling story, but you can't be so, they didn't quite use the word angry, but I was, I was angry. I was angry with uh, some things that had happened in my childhood. I was angry with some people that were in my childhood and I just showed, I showed that, but now I feel like I can write a story. I can tell a story. I can tell it with love. I can tell it with compassion. And I can really, really bring people into that story by showing them how much I've grown and how much I respect and appreciate some of those people who were in my life very early that I didn't quite appreciate. I didn't know how to appreciate those people, but as an older person, as a mother, as a grandmother, I really, really do respect and appreciate some of the early lessons that I learned as tough as they may have been in my early childhood. Speaking of your podcast and your business, you do quite a bit. You know, I could imagine you author, podcaster, you know, college graduate, but can you tell us about your business right now? Right now, my business, uh, as I stated, I started it, oh, back in the 2000s because I wanted to do extra work after I left the workplace. And starting that business, I was able to get a client or some clients and uh, perform, I mean, just work for myself. But now what I want that business to do for me is I want to coach I want to uh, speak motivationally. I want to uh, motivate people. And so, oh, thank you for showing that. But anyway, I want to coach uh, others and just teach others that just because you were born into certain circumstances, you don't have to stay there. And I just believe that um, we were on vacation just a few Uh, In fact, just a few days ago, and I ran into a couple of folks. In fact, I I ran into two doctors who had just moved to Sonoma, uh, wine country from um, from Atlanta. And that one, the lady who had been a pediatrician said to me, you should be a coach because we've spoken for just a very few minutes. And I am so moved by your story. She said, you we, you and I are kindred spirits. She said, I've lost things in my life. And she said, you just make these things seem so un, not so painful, the, the painful things that happen in one's life. So 
my business today is to first of all get my book published. It is I will I will find a publisher. In fact, I've got three in mind, and I will talk to all three of those people next week, and I will choose one. And then, um, as that book is being published, I'll do marketing and PR, those kind of things, and then I will use that book as a tool to promote myself and my business of coaching and motivational speaking. What are the main books that you would recommend? Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings is always, that has been my favorite since 1969 when it was released. And that's the year I came out of high school. And that's the first book I purchased on my own. I read that story and I thought, oh my God, this little girl could be me. So I recommend I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Uh, There's also The Glass Castle by, oh gosh, I forget that author's name right now. And then there's Educated, which is one of the newer ones that I read. And that is such a, that story is tough to read, but I love that story because that young lady overcame so much in her life. She just she just refused to quit. She was one of those people who just kept it moving regardless of what happened. So I like that book as well. So before getting on this interview call, how did you feel? I felt when I first woke up, I was kind of sleepy. And then my allergies misbehaved. And I thought, well, I've got puffy eyes and they're running and my nose is running. So I've just got it. So I went and grabbed myself a cup of tea. And I said, it is what it is, and you will do what you do. You will just get on with Jimbo Paris. You will tell your story. You will answer whatever questions he asks you, and you will hang the phone up or get off of the interview and go on with your day. But I felt, I actually felt very relaxed, and I felt honored to be asked to be a guest on your podcast. So here I am, feeling all those things. What is your life motto? My life motto is never underestimate the power of no. So tell me no, and I will make dang sure that I make that turn that no into a yes. What type of key advice would you share to anyone listening right now? The key advice is, as I've said in many ways during our talk, is never give up. Don't give up on your dreams. But I never dreamed of writing a book. I never dreamed of doing a podcast. Of course, you know, back in my day, there were no, there was no such thing as a podcast. But I also say dreams come with work. There are one of the things that I notice with uh, some of our younger folks is they want that instant gratification. But I tell my grandchildren, we've been to the farm where I grew up. We still own that farm, although my parents are gone. I said, you see where I come from. So don't sit here and look at what you think I have because you don't know what I have. You know what you think I have. Don't look at what you think I have and say, oh, I'm going to have that next week or next year or that I just came into this by being lucky. I'm not lucky. I just work hard and I will always work hard and hard. And even at age 72, I get up every day with a goal in mind. I don't get up thinking, oh God, I wonder what I'm going to do today. I know exactly what I'm going to do today. And if I, by the time my feet hit the floor, 
I have a goal and I have goals in mind. And today, you know, I'm going to continue editing my memoir. I've got two more little areas that I've got to polish. And then I've got a meeting. I've got a board meeting. I am board president at the eight, at the um, condominium where I live. And I have an HOA meeting at 12 o'clock. So I've printed off everything I need to print off. I've gone over the um, minutes and I've gone over the agenda. So, you know, just keep working hard and don't expect things to come easy. And if they do, what a blessing. You know, if you happen to be lucky enough to run into something that comes easy, but, you know, plan on working hard and look forward to working hard. And um, that's that's my advice to anybody listening today. And how can people reach you? Many ways. I am Mildred J. Mills on all social media platforms. And my website is MildredJMills.com. And my email is also, I think my email is on that website. Or yeah, you can contact me that way. But my email is MildredJMills at MillMillCreations.com. But the website is a place that'll take you to all, to my social media as well as to my email if you wish to get in contact with me. Excellent. All right. Thank you for being on the show, Mildred. It really was a privilege having you here. So, yeah. you have any final words you'd like to say to the audience before I let you off here? No, I would like to say to you, thank you so much for reaching out and allowing me to be part of your show. And I'd just like to say to my audience, especially my podcast audience, and those who are anxiously awaiting my book, just hang in there. It's all coming. And I am going to keep doing what I do. And I thank you so much for your encouragement and your love. All right. Thank you for watching the show. I'll see you next time. Thank you very much. I'm currently working on a passion project that I'm really excited about, but I need your help to bring it to life. We'll be launching soon our very own Jimbo Paris Academy. This is going to be about aspiring creators and creating concepts. Thank you for your support. I'm sharing free bonus content to supporters. So let's make some amazing content together. Our affiliate partner, LifeWork Systems, focused on helping create a better collegial environment, looking at the mental health of business workers, business employees, and overall bringing the business up. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Parish Show. 